Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? I assume you all said good. Excellent. Well, here in front of me, I have a bottle of the purest water, Evian. Does anyone drink Evian water? Uh, it's good stuff. And Oh, you might ask why it's, it's this shade. Well, uh, there's some other stuff in there too, but you know, I think it's mostly pure water. So uh, what's the difference really? Now, you may have guessed, uh, yes, we are talking about the subject of purity this morning, which is why I have this uh, dirty water next to me. Uh, and, and I recognize I'm being a little ridiculous by going to this analogy, but I think a little ridiculousness is helpful for us this morning. You see, uh, when the topic of purity comes up, people can have some really extreme reactions. Uh, on the one hand, some, pe some of you might be saying, hey, I am so excited we're talking about this. You know, our society has gone off the deep end and anything is okay and people are doing things that aren't good and we need to talk more about purity and push people to do it. And on the other side, you might be, you know, uh, having flashbacks to experiences or uh, to articles you've read uh, about purity culture, you may feel shame or fear or regret or anger at the idea that we'd even broach this, this subject, not to mention use an illustration with discolored water. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, purity culture is the term given to an evangelical movement uh, that some of us, myself included, grew up with uh, in the early 90s and 2000s that, that promoted purity through strict pledges to abstain from impure behavior and sensuality and elevated this pursuit of purity to an incredibly high level. And some of the consequences of this, uh, which I hope are unintended, but led to a lot of pressure being put on young girls uh, uh, for how they dress and what happens in a relationship. And, and for everybody, there was just immense amounts of shame that got put on the individual if you ruin this perfect purity you're supposed to aspire to. And in the end, there are scars on both sides. There are scars from those who tried to maintain purity and, and got burned. There are scars from those uh, who reacted against this and pursued a different kind of culture where there were no limits. And, uh, and in truth, there's a tension here because purity is this good thing that we're called to. And uh, there are some scars that have come from how we've handled it in the process as a church. And so the question for us this morning is, where do we go from here? How do we tackle this subject in a God-honoring way that helps us pursue Jesus more and live better lives? Well, I think the most helpful thing we can do is start with the English word purity. What is it that we're talking about here? Uh, in English, purity can be defined as freedom from contamination. You know, much like my water bottle here, uh, there's an identity, a measure that checks the purity of something. This is not the pure Evian water you may be used to. Uh, when I was engagement ring shopping for my wife, I quickly found out that the purity of a diamond matters. If there's this thing called an inclusion in there, the price goes way down because it's not a pure and faultless diamond. Purity, then, is, is this measure of how singularly whole something is. Uh, and from there, from that idea, we can go to see what the Bible has to say about purity and why we're even talking about it this morning. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been digging into Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and I'm going to have us turn there in just a second. And we've been applying what's found there to our media choices. And while many of us are stuck in this unhelpful cycle of whatever's when it comes to media, like whatever's recommended or is on or is entertaining or frankly, whatever, uh, Pastor Chris has been reminding us and inviting us to consider a different kind of whatever's in this series. So let's read this passage together uh, because we're trying to memorize this and, and make this a playlist in our minds. So I actually want you to read along with me at home. So this is Philippians 4 verse 8. It says this, 
finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if, any, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, Philippians 4, 8. Now, again, I asked you to read this because I want us to memorize it and put it in our internal playlist so we can apply these whatevers to our choices rather than the semi-conscious whatevers that we're accustomed to. Uh, and so we've talked through already in this series whatever is true and whatever is just, and now we come to whatever is pure. Uh, we've been over what I'm about to say several times in this series, so I won't take a lot of time here, uh, but the truth is what we watch and listen to matters. Uh, what we watch, what we consume has an impact on us. Uh, I've had plenty of com uh, conversations with people who disagree, but the data seems to point otherwise. Uh, a quick internet search will point you to articles from Psychology Today or the New York Times or various other places that indicate people who watch things like 15 minutes of negative TV news have increased depressed mood and anxiety, can be more catastrophic in their personal worries, and that like watching violent sequences on TV or in movies can raise your blood pressure and your heart rate. Uh, and you can even get more aggressive for the short time afterward uh, if you're an adult. And in, in other words, the article says, adults are more likely to lose their temper or express anger in a way that's exaggerated soon after watching violent films or TV. Um, and and for, for children, uh, these are actually long-lasting implications, not just in the short term. Uh, finally, exposure to violence in films and TV can even make us uh, less pro-social or less helping and empathetic in our behavior. And it, this article says it even decreases our antibodies. And so that's all I'll say on that subject. I'm not a social scientist. I'm not uh, collecting this data. I'm not an expert on it, but it's out there. And if you are, you can find it and see. What I am an expert on is, is myself, right? I know what happens when I engage with certain types of media. Uh, it impacts me. If I, you know, there are shows on Netflix or on HBO or on Amazon Prime that have been recommended to me that I want to watch. And I know that there's content in some of those shows that would have an impact on me, that would affect me. Uh, I've seen it happen before in my life. There's an impact on my thought life when I watch overly explicit material. I've felt the discomfort internally when watching graphic violence. Uh, I've seen my own language shift from watching TV shows with a lot of language in them. And maybe I'm unique. Maybe I'm a unicorn in this sense, but I don't think so. I think what we watch matters. And to you preteeners uh, who are tuning in on this at home, and, and you kids, I want to tell you, one of the reasons your parents care so much about what you watch on TV uh, or what YouTube videos you watch or what TikTok content creators you engage with or even what friends you have is because a little bit of garbage can affect you internally and change the way you act. They're trying to help you live out the life you're supposed to live. So you're not out of the, out of the boat ever. They're doing it for a good reason. And so don't just take it from me, preteens or adults. Take it from Jesus. He says here in Matthew, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In the context surrounding this, Jesus is talking about the heart. He's talking about what we value and where our treasure is and what we serve. And in between attacks on the idol of money, 
Jesus uses this metaphor of the lamp, this idea of saying what our eyes perceive is like a lamp, uh, providing light to our body. And I don't think that the initial idea here is that complicated, right? We, we take in bad stuff, then bad stuff is the result. Uh, but I think often we gloss over it without letting it challenge our lives. The eye is what provides light or darkness to the heart, to the soul, to the inner life. Essentially, what we see, what we perceive, enters our mind and heart and comes from our senses. And, and most commonly, this is our eyes. And so Jesus says if our eye is healthy or good, or even this could be translated focused on the right thing or focused on one thing, then we can be full of light, we can be full of goodness, we can know and see clearly what we ought to do and pursue it as uh, is talked about in Romans chapter 12. But if not, then not. If your eye is in the other category, and the word here is legitimately evil, so we have healthy or good versus evil, we have focused on the right thing versus focused on the evil thing, leading you in the wrong direction, it's, it's not a distinction between healthy and unhealthy. It's not just like junk food. This is a distinction between good and evil, between light and darkness. And Jesus says, if you put in darkness, you don't just have some darkness, you produce darkness. Friends, this is why purity matters to God. Purity matters to God. Jesus tells us that what we consume, that what we see, that what we hear, it goes in to our hearts. It matters. If you go to a Greek lexicon and look up the word here for purity from Philippians chapter 4, uh, the word is hognos. And, and you'll get a definition something like this. It says, uh, hognos, it is free from ceremonial defilement, holy or sacred. Uh, also, originally in a condition prepared for worship, pure either ethnically or ritually, ceremonial or chaste. Right, And I think often we grab onto that last usage. We say like purity is being chaste and we forget about the entire first part of this definition. Purity is primarily about being set apart for God. It's about responding to the gospel and living in the way we were created to live, the way that's actually better for us. It's the way that's pleasing to God. And you know what hognos actually sounds like? It sounds like holy. And that's not an accident. In Greek, it's a cognate of hagios, which is the word holy. Right? This is Jesus telling us, you are purified by my blood. You are made holy by the blood of Christ. And that's why we should pursue and think on whatever is pure. Now, you might be saying in this moment, Dan, this is purity culture all over again. You're saying that just a little bit of impurity, you know, we're like ruined water if we get just a little bit of us inside of us. We're junk. And guys, I have some news for you if you're responding like that. Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are the clean water. This is true for all of us. The only way to get to clean water is by the power of the blood of Jesus. He gives us new water that's better than the original. It's better than the Evian we thought was so good. And it's not our water, it's his. And so purity isn't about protecting our precious purity. It's about owning that Jesus gives us true purity. He's freely given us that, and we need to live into it. So with all that in mind, I watch TV shows without too much junk in them because I think the junk is junk, and it's going to make me act like that, but also because I believe it's pleasing to the Lord, and it's what Jesus would do, and that's what I'm striving to live into. We aren't trying to protect our souls like a piece of china that's kept in a glass case, but we are preparing our soul for its use, being like Jesus and serving the Lord. 
you know, let's go back to the water analogy again, right? You think this water is gross? This is uh, coffee and water and it tastes like mud. Uh, but there are worse versions of water. For instance, my daughter, Auden, loves to try and drink out of her dog's water bowl, right? She goes over, she sticks her hand in it and just slurps it up. And I don't like that. Why? Well, because that water is anything but pure. It's been defiled by nasty dog mouth and has floaties. Uh, it seems oddly cloudy at times and has some other crusty, misgiving attributes around the bowl that should scare any sane person away, but not Auden. She heads right over there to try and drink it uh, and splashing it if she can. It, it matters to me that she doesn't put that in her mouth because what she does externally can have some internal consequences, right? If I drink this mixture of Evian and coffee, it won't kill me. It'll taste like dirt, but it won't kill me. If Auden drinks Spruce's water, my dog, she might you know, get diarrhea, she might throw up, or she could get something even worse. I don't want that for her. And that's a truth that's true with our media as well. The truth is that we can, what we consume has internal and external consequences. What we consume has internal and external consequences. What we watch, what we read, what we listen to does affect us. It doesn't stay external, but it has an internal effect. Now, what Jesus describes with this analogy of the eyes, what we experience in everyday life, uh, besides Auden's water and my Evian here, um, does anyone drink bottled water at home or filtered water? Uh, I, I know some of us do. In fact, uh, when we go down to Juarez, Mexico, we have to drink bottled water. Why? Well, it's because their, their water down there is treated differently. It has different contents, including some bacteria. And if you've been down there and you've drank the water, you know its effect. You get very, very sick as a result. It's just not the same kind of purity that we have come to expect. And yet, that applies to us when it comes to media as well. Because if you live down there long enough, even if you're coming from America, if you drink the water over and over and over again, you start to get sick, but then eventually your body adapts to it. The water hasn't changed, but you have. You've changed as a result of prolonged exposure and no longer notice the impurity that's there. You know, our minds are the same way. Jesus tells us that if we put in enough darkness, we can't expect to have loads of light as a result. He tells us we can expect darkness and he's right. If we expose ourselves to something over and over and over again that we think doesn't affect us, eventually that thing doesn't affect us anymore. And it really should. We don't wanna become numb to violence or sexuality or abuse or anger or cursing or anything that fits in the category that people tell me, oh, that doesn't really affect me. Do we? I mean, I don't want to because I wanna be what God calls me to be. I wanna be part of standing up against what is wrong and I won't do that if I'm unaffected by it when I see it. Whether it's numbness or what we talked about earlier, like responding negatively because we watch something, the reality is when our heart is corrupted, it then produces external results. I don't wanna sacrifice the things that matter to me, my family, my girls, my job, my faith, on some altar of, of entertainment or relaxation or media in general, like whatever it is, I don't wanna sacrifice that. I don't want my girls or my wife or my friends or myself to experience something negative because I chose to stay up late to see the ending to a movie I didn't really care about that had all kinds of junk in it, rather than just going to bed. 
Do you hear me? I want to go from a whatever choice when it comes to what I'm watching and listening to, when it comes to my media choices, to an intentional one. And I think you should as well. I want to go from whatever to choosing light over darkness. This is where what Pastor Chris has introduced us to over the past few weeks has been so, so helpful. We have a chance to apply these tools to change our whatevers to intentional choices. The first of these tools is uh, the, the, the filter that we've been applying, truth, uh, justice, and now purity. And so for you, what's your purity gauge? Do you ever think about what kind of content goes into your brain from a moral standpoint? We talk about it generally, and we've talked about this idea from truth and justice perspectives, but have you considered morality in what you're watching? What messages are you passively receiving about sex, or about God, or about faith, or about relationships, or about parenting, or parents, or about school, or about work? You have all of these things being told to you about what is good. And what is that molding in your brain? Maybe you should consider filtering out some of these messages before they become ingrained darkness inside of you, before they make you numb to the truth that you don't even realize is happening. So that's one thing. And I encourage you to to stop and have a conversation about that today after this. Talk about what you're watching, what effect it might be having. Uh, The second tool is is stop content cues. There is some content uh, in stuff that is just an instant off. It's a power button for me. I just turn it off because I've set a bar on, on sexual content or vulgarity or misinformation or inflammatory language or senseless gore. The things that don't affect me in positive ways, if I see it at a high level, I just turn it off because I don't want that effect in my life. Uh, when there are things that approach those limits but don't quite get there, I say like, ah, I'm not super comfortable with that. Then Pastor Chris suggested a, a three strike rule. And I think that's a great way of doing it that I kind of subconsciously was trying, but it's a great way to think about it, right? If it hits a level consistently that you're uncomfortable with, that should be an easy, okay, you missed your chances, you're out. We're done with that content. And as a church, I don't think my job, our job is to define where these lines are for you. I think you need to sit down and search it out and, and pray about it and say, Jesus, what are you calling me to? But what it is my job is to say, if you don't have any stop cues, if you don't have any conversations around the, the purity filter, if you say nothing affects me, then you need to stop and you need to consider what you're saying. You need to take a step back and think about what you're listening and watching to. And so again, I wanna challenge us all to take a back, step back at the dinner table or the lunch table today and talk about what kind of Netflix uh, or YouTube or things that you are watching and taking in. And, and I imagine there's probably more there than you think, but uh, I wanna pause again and say to, to my preteens and my teens in the room, this goes for you guys too. Don't rely on what mom and dad say to cut off content. You're old enough to start to see it for yourself. Take a stand on what is right. You want more autonomy? You wanna make your own decisions? Well, you can show that by being the first one to turn off the crummy content, not the last one. And then finally, the last thing we're given is this idea of shocking the pool. Uh, If you aren't ever saying no, if you feel like there's a need, there's no need to put a stop cue, if you don't think any of this applies or affects you, then I wanna challenge you, you might need something more shocking than these above tools. You might need to take a bigger step. Jesus says, if the light inside us is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think when it comes to media, a lot of us have darkness where we think we have light. If you're in the middle of an addiction when it comes to media, I think you need to shock the pool. 
I'd love to have a conversation with you about Restore Honor, a movement that brings honor back to those who have been robbed of it by media or pornography or culture. I wanna challenge you to join one of our groups that's intentionally fighting against these kind of battles. Go to emmanuel.church fall and scroll to the bottom where you can sign up for one of those. And I wanna echo the message you were given at the beginning of this series. Reach out with two hands, one to God and one to a friend for help getting out of the darkness. And friends, that's where the best news is. The reason that purity matters to God comes down to light versus darkness. God wants the best for us. God wants us to know him and to love him and to follow him. And when we're trapped in darkness, we can't judge God's will. We can't get out of the places we're trapped in. You know, even this Evian water before I contaminated it with coffee wasn't completely pure, right? Uh, it's got its pH number on the back of seven point something and Fiji water's got an even better number, right? It can't be perfect. We can't achieve the level of purity that we're made for. We need to try, we need to protect our hearts, but more than anything else, we need the light of the world. You know, purity culture went wrong when it pushed purity in a way that forgot the only lasting purity is through the grace of Jesus Christ. The only lasting purity comes from Jesus. And so the Jesus who met sinners in the dirt, the Jesus who reached out his hand and pulled them out and said he loved them, he forgave them, and then said, go and sin no more. That Jesus offers the same hand to all of us today. And so as we proceed into a time of communion, I want to challenge you to consider taking his hand, consider asking for forgiveness, and consider receiving the purity that only Christ can offer. The only lasting purity comes from Jesus, so confess, repent, and choose Jesus. Well, if you're new to our church, uh, we can commemorate communion uh, and when we do that, we do something like this, remembering what is said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, there's a lot that the Bible doesn't say about communion. It doesn't say you have to be a certain age or, or you do it a certain way, or it doesn't tell you what kind of bread or wine to do, but it does tell us to examine ourselves and then eat the bread and drink the cup. And so I wanna challenge you to examine what you bring, examine what darkness might be in there and give it up to Jesus. So today I wanna to challenge you to do that. I want you to confess and I want you to join with us. So whatever you have at home, your bread, your grape juice, your wine, uh, break off a piece of that bread. And remember, this is the body of Christ given for you. And then dip the bread in the juice or drink the juice. And remember, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And as you do, remember that Jesus is replacing whatever your water looks like with his perfect purity. So friends, let's prepare ourselves for this moment. Please join me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. And God, that is our prayer today. Say the word and we will be made clean. May we trade what we bring, which is never enough, for what you bring, which is always enough. And then let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.